I just released a, a case study yesterday from a nurse who did my rapid recovery group that just finished. And she had rheumatoid arthritis. One of her wrists were seven centimeters. It was so big, she couldn't move it when she started. And she's showing in the video, totally back to normal. Her pain was gone, her energy was up, and she had a health condition called excoriation disorder her whole life where she just, because of anxiety, would scratch herself, never could wear short sleeves, was really embarrassed by it. By the end of the group, she had stopped for the first time in her life. She no longer damages, no more self-harm. And uh, she's wearing you know, sleeveless shirts. And she said it was because of what I taught her about mental health and self-care that she was able to emotionally heal at the same time. Hi, plant friends, and welcome to another episode of the PBN podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Lockie. This week, we meet Dr. Brooke Goldner. She is a board-certified physician and the creator of the Healing Protocol for Lupus Recovery, and is known globally as the author of three best-selling books, including Goodbye Lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease that sees the individual's immune system become hyperactive and attack healthy tissue. Dr. Goldner has often talked about how it has affected her life. When Brooke was 16, she was in stage 4 kidney failure due to a serious case of lupus. She was initially told she had 6 months to live. To further add to her health issues, when she started medical school, Brooke developed antiphospholipid antibodies, which gave her double vision and also resulted in a stroke. After adopting a high raw, whole food plant-based diet, Brooke was relieved to notice the lupus had gone within 3 months. Dr. Brooke Goldner has been featured in various documentaries such as Eating You Alive, Whitewashed and The Conspiracy Against Your Health. She has also been on many radio shows and podcasts and is a highly sought after keynote speaker. I learned so much from this podcast, particularly the topic around COVID-19 and long haul COVID. She has a fantastic free protocol to help people with this condition and I really recommend you check out her work. Thanks so much for listening and as always, please don't forget to comment, like and share. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a review if you enjoy the podcast. It really helps get the message out there. Let's get to the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Goldner. So great to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for asking me back. If your goal is to just have general good health, you don't really have any problems, then drink your smoothie and eat a plant-based diet. You know, and it can include grains and, and beans and tofu and cooked vegetables and enjoy your life. It's great. Uh, if you're trying to reverse a disease, then make the majority of your diet, if not all of it, come from the healing foods. It doesn't have to be just smoothies. Smoothies just make it easy. Like I would never be able to do a Q&A and eat a giant salad without it looking very strange. But I can sip my smoothie and chat. So before we get started and talk about all your amazing achievements and everything that you've been doing with your life in recent years, let's go back in time and discuss what brought us together, which is veganism, uh, eating plants, and um, and removing animal products from your diet. Where did that all begin and how did you discover the lifestyle? Wow, goodness. So I think my journey to becoming completely vegan, plant-based started really as a kid. Uh, I've always, always cared about animals and life in general. Uh, even at three years old, I used to collect bugs so that nobody would step on them. Uh, and I would yell at kids as a three-year-old that you shouldn't step on bugs when everybody else was doing it. So I've always had a very uh, compassionate heart. I've always tried to look out for the week, whether it was standing up to the bullies in school or standing up for the insects. Uh, so by the time I was 12 years old, my whole family became vegetarian after reading John Robbins' book, Diet for a New America. Uh, our neighbor just happened to be a vegetarian and we'd never met one before. And so that started it out and we weren't healthy vegetarians. We'd never even heard of vegans at that point. And even when we said we we're vegetarian, people would ask us if that was a religion or, you know, what does that mean? You eat fish, right? You know, it was a very <laughs> difficult time. I mean, this was back in the late eighties. So, you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody really understood what was going on there. Um, and so, and then I kind of forgot about it. I thought I ate a very compassionate diet because I didn't eat animals and it didn't hurt animals to, uh, to, you know, drink milk or eat eggs. They weren't killing animals for that. So I stopped really thinking about it, but I didn't really eat a healthy diet. I was one of those people where back in my day, I sound so old, but back in my day, if you were thin, you could eat whatever you wanted, literally, just no worries. I ate, you know, macaroni and cheese and Chef Boyardee and Doritos. I, I was, you know, I used to brag in my teenage years that I could eat an entire bag of Doritos myself, you know, and I was so skinny and all that kind of stuff. So I ate a very processed diet and being a vegetarian meant replacing anything that had meat with either eggs or cheese, usually both. So I ate lots of cheese, lots of eggs. And especially as I you know, got older. And when I was in my medical training at the hospitals, you know, it was cheese and eggs on everything. I had cheese and eggs for breakfast, every, you know, so it was constant. So I had a very unhealthy vegetarian diet 
from the age of 12 all the way through to 28 when I changed to a plant-based diet completely where I got rid of all animal products. But I didn't do that because I somehow learned something different. Again, I was the only vegetarian I knew, uh, even except for the people I converted, my best friend, one other girl in middle school, you know, with PETA pamphlets or whatever. <laughs> but that was the only vegetarian I knew. I thought I was doing good that way and I never really thought about it. And the reason I ended up changing my diet completely was because I met my husband. When we met, I was dealing with a lot of stuff medically. So I'd been sick with a disease called lupus since I was 16. And I had kidney failure at 16, rashes, migraines, arthritis, took a lot of medications to keep me alive. Uh, I had chemotherapy for two years. I was taking high dose steroids. I took a lot of medicines for different kinds of pains and that kept me alive. And, and so I became very focused since my diagnosis on, well, people don't know how much time they have on this life. I'm going to just dive in and live the best life I can, obsess about happiness, obsess about achievement, make my mark in whatever time I had. So I was a very focused person. I worked hard. I graduated, you know, in the top 10 of my class in high school, even though I was on chemo and all these drugs, just thinking, you know, I want to do something special with my life. And so when I met my husband, he didn't even know I was sick because I never talked about my pain. I never talked about my illness because I didn't want to focus on it. Uh, by the time he met me, I'd started having uh, mini strokes in medical school from blood clots from the lupus. So I was injecting myself with blood thinners every day, taking my pills. And, you know, it wasn't until we're, he, you know, a month after we met, he was talking about marriage and I had to tell him, listen, you know, we haven't really talked about this, but I have a very serious disease where I can't have your children uh, that could kill me between blood clots and kidney failure. Uh, I'm not going to live a long life. You're probably going to have to take care of me when I become disabled, probably in my 40s. Um, not a very romantic way to answer a marriage proposal, but you know, I had to let him know that as, as happy-go-lucky as I appear, uh, there's a lot of baggage that comes with spending your life with me. So he decided it was still worth it. That man, Thomas Tadlock, he's incredible. He said, you know, I'd rather live a short life with you than a lifetime with anyone else. And he wanted to get married. What a romantic. Yeah, he's incredible. He just, so, so we, we started planning basically an elopement in Hawaii. We, we just wanted the people there who were going to cry. Those were his words. So our parents, his sister, my grandparents, and our best friends, that was it. But now I was getting married in Hawaii. I was going to be in a, in a strapless dress. I was going to be in my bathing suit. And I was on the best diet to be overweight and sick, which is hospital food. So, you know, you can hide a lot under a white coat, but not on a bikini, you know. So I, my husband, his obsession has always been metabolism. He has his own best-selling book, Miracle Metabolism, where he studied that, you know, it, it bothered him that getting his master's degree in exercise science and, and health promotion, that they were teaching him different diets work for different people for fat loss or exercise or muscle building. He said, no, we're all made of the same cells. There should be an optimal diet for humanity to have low body fat, high muscle tone, all of that. So that was his obsession. So when I met him, he was already a celebrity trainer working with people on MTV. He'd been on MTV himself. At the time that was cool. I don't even know if people watch it anymore, but back then that was a big deal. And, um, and so I wanted him to put me on that MTV diet that he had created for cellular metabolism. So the problem was at the time he had recognized studying cellular biology that there's certain nutrients that accelerate our metabolism for fat loss. That's what he was looking at, which was high amounts of vitamins and minerals, antioxidants and omega-3s. So high raw vegetable intake, omega-3 intake, high water intake. And then at the time he thought you needed meat for protein because he'd learned that in his you know, exercise physiology and all that. So he was using free range meat for less inflammation kind of stuff. Well, here I was a vegetarian since I was little, that wasn't changing. So he had to change the diet for me. He'd never met a vegetarian. This was in Pittsburgh where I met him. So he said, okay, you're never gonna lose weight eating all that saturated fat. So all that dairy's gotta go. You know, you can't eat the egg yolk, you have to eat egg whites. I thought that was disgusting, so eggs went. So all of the animal products went, the processed foods went, and I wouldn't eat meat, so we said, okay, tofu, I guess. And then I ate all the other stuff the same, high raw vegetables and omega-3s and drank all my water. And so what happened is, just like he had predicted, even with taking the meat out, uh, I lost a ton of fat. I went from a size 11 to a size three in three months, uh, and I was ripped. So we didn't need the meat. It worked out fine. But I also became an accidental high raw vegan. Uh, and 
Uh, for the first time since I was 16, I had no symptoms of disease. I had no aches and pains. I had tons of energy. I was now an intern working 30 hour shifts and I had no fatigue and I felt amazing. No migraines, nothing. And when I went to get my blood test drawn at the end of the three months, I also had no positive labs for lupus for the first time since I was 16, I was 28 years old and I'd had serious illness. So we didn't really understand what happened. But I knew that I'd never felt so good. So I continued on eating the way I was without really understanding that it made an impact on my health because I had just graduated medical school. And if food was important for health, they would have taught us that, right? Never mentioned food in medical school. So I just, I didn't know if it was love. I didn't know if it was like, cause I'd finally become a doctor, which was my dream. I had no idea what was going on, but because I had an incurable disease, I believed I had lupus, even though my labs were negative. I had no blood clot antibodies. I had no lupus antibodies. My cholesterol, which I was told was genetically high, nothing to do with all the cheese I ate was normal. I didn't know what happened to me. So I just kind of shrugged it off and, and kept going. And it wasn't until four years later where I had been healthy for all of those years, I was now in the sickest shape I'd ever been in in my life, abs, the whole deal, that I decided to try to have a baby in spite of my doctor saying it was a bad idea because I had no signs or symptoms for four years. And it was after I had a healthy pregnancy and had my son with no relapse uh, that we realized something had happened. And that's when we first started to realize, my husband and I are both scientists, to realize that maybe metabolism is not just about how much, how quickly you can lose fat or build muscle, but also about how quickly you can heal. So we spent the next year really studying my diet, which was the only thing I'd changed. And we realized we accidentally created the most anti-inflammatory way of eating possible. And so we named that hypernourishment. And we tested it on people for a year before we even came out with it to make sure that it was reproducible. Because both as a doctor and a former sick person, I don't want to just say, hey, do what I did, hope it works. We wanted to make sure that everything we were telling people to do actually was essential for reversing disease and reproducible, and that we had nothing in there that was just, you know, I got better in spite of that kind of thing. So since then, you know, I've been, I've been reversing disease. I've been, I brought this to the world over 10 years ago, and I've helped thousands of people all over the world be able to reverse their diseases, whether it's RA or rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, lupus, mixed connective tissues disease, as well as things like heart disease and diabetes that we know plant-based diets can help with. Uh, but we do it in record time because we really maximize the nourishment people receive. So it's been a wild ride, but it all happened by accident. Uh, and that's, that's how I got here. It's amazing. Uh, it's the second time I've heard your story and I still find it incredible. And it's always so inspiring to hear how someone can turn something so terrible, which is chronic illness, into a life's work. Being able to have the courage and conviction to not give up, but to actually dive straight head on into something like chronic disease. Uh, and not just, you know, turn it around, but actually, you know, make it part of your career and what you do to help others. So thank you for sharing your your gifts with the world that uh, I know that a lot of people, um, you know, owe their their good health to your to your practice. Diabetes isn't caused by sugar. Diabetes is caused by saturated fat from animal products clogging insulin receptors. So when you eat fruit or sugar, your blood sugar goes up because the insulin can't bind. But it's not the sugar's fault, it's the, the meat's fault. They had me on Fox News arguing against a, uh, a, what do you call it, a keto doctor for weight loss. And he was saying, um, you know, that it causes fat loss and it helps diabetes. I'm like, sure, because they're eating no sugars. Like there's no fruit, nothing. They're eating bacon all day, but if they eat just a banana, what's gonna to happen to their blood sugar, right? Because they're, they're completely saturated with saturated fat. So it's just one of those things that there are many diets out there that can make it seem like you're doing better because you're not challenging the body, but they're actually making you worse. Let's dive a little more into what it all means, because obviously your specialty is autoimmune disease, right? Autoimmune, let's talk first about what is the immune system? How does this incredible system that functions in our bodies, how does it actually work? What is it? So our immune system is our primary defense against illness and death, basically, right? So our immune system is charged with multiple things. One is finding issues within our own body. So, you know, like cells that are becoming cancerous, right? Or uh, other damage. It's supposed to go in and remove any cells that are not functioning properly. It's also supposed to identify foreign invaders and eliminate them, right? So viruses, bacteria, 
Uh, it's supposed to identify them, make antibodies against them, and remove them. And so it is really what we rely on. It's our defense against disease. And unfortunately, with things like autoimmune disease, the defense system gets kind of, uh, you know, malware. Okay. So when uh, for autoimmune diseases like lupus, the one that I had, your immune system actually stops being able to recognize what belongs to you and what's an invading virus or bacteria. So in my case with lupus, it was my immune system was attacking my own kidneys, destroying them. My own, yeah, I was making antibodies against myself. Uh, then I got the blood clots in medical school. I was making new antibodies that caused blood clots. So my immune system was extremely active, but doing all the wrong things. And at the same time, when you've got autoimmune disease, because your body is so busy attacking itself, you can easily get infections. So people with autoimmune disease are very high risk for getting terrible infections as well. Plus a lot of the medicines they use to treat us make us more uh, at risk for other diseases. You know, the, there's medicines that help keep lupus staple, but also can cause blindness. Uh, this chemotherapy I took to stop the kidney failure raises my risk of cancer. So there's a lot of, so while we need to use strong medications often to save people's lives in autoimmune disease, a lot of these medications involve suppressing the immune system or turning it off so that it doesn't attack itself. But at the same time, that makes you even more vulnerable to disease. So for example, during COVID, people have been terrified with autoimmune disease because, you know, they, they don't know, they, one, they could have a terrible infection with COVID, right? And their immune system doesn't function properly, might not make the antibodies it needs. If they get the vaccine, it might not work because they're on immunosuppression, which stops their immune system from making effective antibodies. So it's been a very scary thing. Although I, I, I wanted to share with you, I don't know if you read the article that just came out in the British Medical Journal. This is a really exciting thing, and I'm, I'm so jazzed about it. I was just reading about it over the weekend, where the British Medical Journal, so this is a highly acclaimed journal, they, were, they released a study that was led by uh, Dr. Siedelman in Columbia University, where they studied almost 3,000 frontline workers, doctors and nurses, who are at high exposure to COVID, and they studied them for two months. And they studied it, and their rates of moderate to severe COVID infections, uh, looking at their diets. First, first study out like this, right? And so they looked at their diets and they looked at how frequently they got COVID and how frequently they got moderate to severe COVID. And the results of the study are really astounding, but make a ton of sense to people like us, okay? One is that they found that the doctors and nurses who were on plant-based diets, they had a 73% lower risk of moderate to severe COVID compared to people on a standard diet. 73% lower risk, okay? Then they looked at pescatarian diet, which is mostly plant-based except for fish. Some people think that's healthier. Oh, add the fish, right? People on a pescatarian diet had a 59% lower risk of COVID compared to the standard American diet. Still way better than the standard diet, but 14% worse than people who ate the plants without the fish. Really, really interesting. So here's where it really got good and I'm sure people are going to be all over Instagram and Twitter for this one, is people who are on the high protein, low carb diet. A lot of doctors and nurses are on that too, because we're not trained in nutrition and people get overweight and they find out high carb or low carb, high protein. That could be some paleo diets or definitely keto diets, right? People who are on that diet had a 48% higher risk of moderate to severe COVID compared to people on a standard diet almost 50% higher risk of, of moderate to severe COVID if you're on a high protein, low carb diet compared to people just on any diet. So this is four times higher risk of getting moderate to severe COVID if you're eating that keto diet than uh, if you're doing the plant-based diet. So there was really fascinating result. And they also, they said they have to study this further, but they found that people on plant-based diet had a lower risk of even contracting COVID at all. So they're going to follow that up. So it was really, really interesting. And so when the researchers were looking at that, when they were summarizing their conclusions, what they predicted the issue is, is that people on a high on a plant based diet are getting more nutrients. So when you want an optimal immune system, your immune system requires vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and all these phytonutrients that are in plants. If you're on a high animal protein diet, low carb diet, you're not getting any nutrients. None of those nutrients are in, are in meat or eggs, right? That they're, so that, that, that focus on protein as a macronutrient is a folly. And people can look really fit. They got abs, they got muscles, but they are dying. 
And, and I was arguing, Fox News had me argue with a keto doctor and it was killing me because he's telling me my kids are going to be brain damaged because they've never eaten meat. Uh, I think his might have been already setting in, but but he said he said you know I don't understand how tough it is for people to be overweight and the keto diet helps them be thin. And I told him at the time, there's lots of ways to be thin while increasing your risk of heart disease and cancer. You can smoke cigarettes, or you can do the keto diet. But now we know not only are you raising your risk of heart disease and cancer, but your risk of contracting COVID and getting moderate to severe COVID, which can land you in a hospital or dead by eating that ketogenic diet. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where once again, we're seeing very clearly that the way to optimize your immune system is by eating as much plants as possible and even polluting yourself with some fish will now decrease the effectiveness of your immune system. So I'm really excited by this research um, because I think it's necessary to really break through and show even in this terrible pandemic, how much you can protect yourself. And also because what I teach is hypernourishment, which is, intentionally overdosing in those phytonutrients that your body needs. And that's why it so rapidly can reverse autoimmune disease. It can help prevent severe cases of COVID. I've also had people with long haul COVID join my rapid recovery group. All of them were done with their symptoms by the halfway point. Three weeks in, their sense of smell was back. Their, their fatigue was gone because we're nourishing them back to health. So very exciting to see really a, a great example of how much nutrition affects your immune function. I'm really, really stoked about it because we need this to get to the public. This is why I teach my protocol for free online. I just did another, I did three free Q and A's to the public that had over 10 countries attending just in the past week. And I do all that for free because I'm trying to save lives and I want to show people how important this is. I, I should be disabled by now. I could be dead by now. And instead I'm 44 years old. I have no diseases. I've had two healthy kids and I get to live this remarkable life with so much energy and feeling great all because of my diet. And we are fighting against so much propaganda and bad science and industry. So I try to, so I teach it for free just to show people, look, big kale is not paying me. I'm just trying to help you guys see the what's out there and is, see the uh, truth. is not backing you. <laughs> there is no big kale, right? But uh, it, yeah, so I'm glad that you guys are covering this too because it's so important. When you're looking to recover from a disease, whether it's autoimmune or really any disease, this is what's really cool is the Goodbye Lupus Protocol has been shown to be beneficial in every disease we've ever tested. I have a cardiologist in New York and she says she gives my protocol to her patients and they're doing better on my protocol than they are on the traditional no-fat plant-based diet that they were taught originally. So it really is useful all across the boards because what we do is we give people what their cells use to repair themselves and the ingredients that create your anti-inflammatory immune system. So no matter what your issue, if you're healthy, it'll just give you a faster metabolism, glowing skin, help you increase your athletic performance, whatever it is, you know, if you're already healed up, you're just going to get stronger and you get younger looking and it's fabulous, right? So what you're looking at then is what most people are missing, getting the right amount of high nutrient vegetables in every day. So one of the most important thing for cellular function is vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and all the phytonutrients, right? Many people don't eat vegetables at all. They like fruit or whatever. And fruit has a little bit, but nowhere near what vegetables do. Or if they eat vegetables, it's just a tiny bit, or they cook the crap out of it. So there's not that much in there. So raw vegetables really are the most potent and especially high nutrient ones like cruciferous vegetables. I mean, cruciferous vegetables have the most bang for your buck when it comes to nutrients. Some people say that the statement food is medicine is misleading and that we shouldn't be talking about food in this way that it can create the sense that you know just switch to a plant-based diet and, it, and it's a panacea for for all ills how do we strike a balance between modern medicine and food as medicine because as you've clearly illustrated you were able to halt and reverse chronic disease using food and nutrition which incidentally you know food is made up of chemicals isn't it you know and, and medicines are made up of chemicals food just happens to be in shapes and forms that we recognize and obviously pills and potions and lotions um, by many are seen as unnatural but ultimately you know what is natural pills and potions are created by human beings and plants and fruits and vegetables are made by nature over billions of years of evolution but how do we address that how do you address the sort of interplay between those two ideas well, that is my whole world, right? Because I am a Western medical doctor. And I before that, I did genetic research for years. And I am passionate about science and, and health and wellness. 
And I'm also a proponent of whatever works best. Using nutrition to reverse disease is science and it's extremely effective. Uh, it is not medicine though. You know, medicine will treat disease, but it doesn't eliminate disease unless it's an antibiotic. You got an infection, you took an antibiotic, you've now cured yourself with a medicine. But in general, medicines treat disease. They treat symptoms, but they don't reverse or eliminate diseases in most cases, while nutrition can. So if you want to optimize your body's ability to function properly, it needs the right nutrition. You know, it's kind of like if you get, I don't know, you guys have Ikea, right? When you buy Ikea furniture, you have the instructions, and then you have the parts and then you have the Allen wrench, right? Well, all of our cells have the instructions in our DNA for cellular repair and optimal immunity. The instructions are there. But if you don't have the Allen wrench and the supplies, your cells will be sick in spite of having the instructions. So then what do we do? Well, the cells are sick. We don't have supplies. Well, we can send in a medicine to try to force the cell to act in a certain way. But there's going to be side effects to that because those medicines affect multiple different systems. But that's what medicines do. We try to force the body to continue on without addressing the source or allowing the cell what it needs to repair itself. Hypernourishment, when we're supplying you know, all the, the dark leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables, the omega-3s like flax and chia seeds, your water intake, all those things. Now you're sending in all of the supplies in the Allen wrench and the cells go, oh, great. I, I know exactly what to do to build this. And so that's what I do is I oversupply all of those nutrients and the cells repair themselves. I mean, for me, I had had protein in my urine from kidney problems since I was 16. And as of 28, I have normal kidney function with no protein in my urine. All right. Now, if I had not taken medicines at 16, I would have died within six months. My doctors gave me six months to live when I was diagnosed with lupus nephritis because my kidneys were failing so rapidly. Since I didn't know about diet, it took two years of chemotherapy, high dose steroids and six, seven other pills just to keep me alive, right? The medicines worked to save my life. And that's what inspired me to be a doctor. Medicines can be life-saving. And even people in my program, I don't tell them to stop their medicines. I tell them to do the protocol to not need the medicine anymore. If somebody is currently extremely ill with autoimmune disease, diabetes, heart disease, I don't say stop your medicines. I'm pretty conservative that way. I say, okay, medicines can be saving your lives. Let's see how much we can reverse this process so you can minimize or eliminate your need for those medicines. And if you can eliminate your need for all medicines, wow, that's amazing. If you can, if you can eliminate your need for most of them or lower the doses of them and feel amazing, that's also great. You know, some people I see have been sick for 30 years or more. They've got damage to their organs. So they can't completely eliminate their need for medicines because those organs are scar tissue. They're not going to function again. So like a thyroid, I can, I've reversed Hashimoto's and Graves' disease completely and help people get off their medicines. But if I've seen someone who has had Hashimoto's for 30, 40 years, they might lower their medicines, but they usually don't get off them because they don't have the thyroid anymore. Their immune system has successfully destroyed it. So, but they now no longer have an autoimmune disease. So they feel amazing and they just take their thyroid hormone. So I'm not saying that by using nutrition to reverse disease and optimizing your health, that there's no room for modern medicine or that people should be anti-medicine. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm saying that we should use everything we have and we should do what works the best. So when I put someone on a medicine to save their lives, right? Because if they don't have it, they're gonna, that, that, that's it. We don't have time. I mean, you need time for cellular repair, even if it's weeks to months, sometimes people don't have that. So even if I put someone on a medicine to help them with their symptoms or to help save their life, I tell them, let's do this right now and then let's get you as healthy as possible. So maybe you don't need to stay on this. And, and that is always my goal. So I think there's room for all of it. Um, I think that we need to do what works and what helps people the most. But I actually don't think of food as medicine. I think of food as how we actually repair and optimize our system and as medicine as something that we need to temporarily or minimally use to save lives and to minimize symptoms. When it comes to sort of medicine um, and obviously lifestyle medicine, there are varying levels of success. Um, just in your experience and talking specifically about lupus, would you suggest that anyone with lupus could reverse their symptoms and their condition using uh, plant-based nutrition? Or is, it sort of, is, there a, is there a limit to what the plant-based nutrition can actually do? No, my experience over the past, goodness now, since I, well, for myself, it's been, I'm now lupus-free 16 years. 
I brought this to the public a little bit over a decade ago, um, I've helped thousands of people reverse their diseases. And what I found is if people do the protocol, they get better. All right. It is, it is remarkable. In my last rapid recovery group, I had somebody who was 16 who joined and she had stage four lupus nephritis. So she had lupus in her kidneys, stage four. So that's stage five is the worst. Okay. Stage four is pretty bad. At week five, she had normal kidney function, normal creatinine, right? I mean, her family was so excited. Uh, we had somebody else who also halfway through the group no longer had positive markers for lupus. Um, and by the end of it, uh, everybody who did the program had either a massive reduction or complete elimination of their pain. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where there's no downside, right? If you overdose on your medication, you can die. You overdose on nutrition, it's a big bowel movement, okay? Uh, it's not, you know, this is, it's okay, right? The only time that I make a change in that would be certain people, like with kidney failure, for example, uh, their kidneys can't process the, the electrolytes if they have late stage. So I might have to limit their nutrition only because of that. Their body needs it, but their kidney can't process it in time. People with heart failure or certain types of kidney failure might have to limit their water intake. So I have to work with their bodies. But other than that, you know, whatever you don't use, you eliminate, right? So there's really no downside. And the upside is you have the potential to dramatically and rapidly reverse the symptoms and the labs, but I care about symptoms more, who cares what your labs say if you feel great, right? But you can reverse all this process and then you can see how far your body can go. I have somebody who was recently, she's been sending me just all these messages demanding that I tell her in advance what her results will be before she tries it. And I wrote back to her and said, I don't know you. I've never met you. How can I predict your results? I don't know. I said, all I know is this will help you. I said, but also we have to address other issues like your mood and depression and trauma. I'm also a trauma specialist. And so when I do my programs in rapid disease reversal, I do their nutrition and I optimize their moods because negative moods like depression, anxiety, trauma are actually inflammatory. They raise your, uh, your inflammation markers. So, um, so the way I get people healthy as quickly as possible is I optimize their nutrition and their mood, their sleep all together so that in six weeks time, we get them as healthy as they can possibly get. And then her response is, of course, I have trauma, da, da, da. And she was very angry. I said, listen, I teach it for free. I can't make this decision for you. Great health is on the other side of your decision, but I can't decide for you. And I can't tell you what your results will be in advance. I'm just telling you, why not try it? Right? So a lot of people are very angry about being sick. They get angry that people like me could possibly tell them they're they could get better when their doctors have told them they can't. And I understand the anger at my field for that reason, right? Who's this woman? One of the cool things about it though, and this is also why I teach it for free is you got nothing to lose because you don't have to pay me a dime. I don't hold anything back. It's not like you have to, you watch the classes, but to get the key secret ingredient, you have to pay me something. No, teach all of it. People only hire me to watch over them and help them actually put it into play. But if they want to do it on their own, I've gotten messages from people all over the world who reverse their diseases just from free content. So, you know, we have had people completely reverse their disease and be off medicines for years and years now who were on the verge of amputations and um, organ transplants and death. So, you know, I've published reversing end-stage kidney failure purely with nutrition. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I can't tell a person when I meet them how far you will reverse your disease, right? Because there's a lot of factors in play, how, how faithful you are to your diet, how much sleep you get, how high your stress is. But I can tell you that you're only going to get positive things that happen and you have the potential of fully reversing your disease. And it's, it's a remarkable thing. It's why I'm so passionate that I can't even shut up about it is because I know personally how profound it is to go from a life of chronic illness and pain to feeling incredible and being able to pass that on. A lot of people don't realize that the issues that you have going on in your gut are often fueled by issues you've got going on in your life. Now, I'm not saying it's psychosomatic, so, so don't worry about that. Sometimes people think if you say it's caused by stress or other things that somehow you're making it up. It is absolutely not the case. What's going on is that you have receptors for neurotransmitters, right? Neurotransmitters are basically the messengers in your body that regulate your mood, your, whether you're feeling happy or sad or depressed or anxious. Now, you have receptors for those, of course, in your brain. That makes sense, right? But you have even more receptors for them in your gut. Now, think about that. A lot of times when people are depressed, they don't have any appetite or 
some people, they eat voraciously when they're depressed, right? There's something about being depressed that affects the way their gut works. For other folks, anxiety has a huge effect on their gut. Do you feel like sometimes people will only value something if they pay for it, whether it's a treatment or is there a psychology at play that when someone has a practice that they follow a, a protocol that unless they pay for it, they might not take it seriously enough and then they'll go not actually implement the changes in their life. Whereas if it's free, they don't necessarily value it as much. Do you, do you find that at all? There's a, there's a sort of relationship there? Sure, absolutely. There's definitely one of those things where, you know, if, if, if you get something for free, you don't value it as much. I mean, I remember um, my parents had a pizza business when I was growing up. And so I, I made pizza for them up until I graduated med school. Uh, I've run their, I ran their stores on the weekends and the summers. And I remember one of the things that my dad used to lament about is he got a lot of business when he would do like, uh, you know, buy one, get one free or free events, but then nobody wanted to pay full price ever again after that. Uh, you know, that people don't value things they haven't paid for. Um, and I take that into account. But at the same time, uh, as long as someone has to pay to learn your protocol, they can then decide not to try it because, oh, you're just in it for the money. You don't care about people. And so I, I think that you need to find some balance there. Um, I don't think people should have to pay to know how to reverse their disease. I think health is a human right. And we need to get the information out there. So I, I do a lot for the public for free. And people... Uh, really do value that. I mean, I have people who've been coming to my free Q and A's for so many years now, and they will listen to the replays and just stay, you know, they're, they're just always there for them. But in terms of, you know, working with me, I mean, that's my practice. That's what I do all day long is I coach people through it and I hold their hand every single day to make sure they finish it. And even that though, I, I really under, I, I try to price as low as possible for what I do to make it as accessible as possible. I mean, I was just talking to a guy who he couldn't believe how inexpensive it is to work with me. And he had just paid $150,000 for some fancy program somewhere. Now he had the money to do it. You know, if only the rich can be healthy, that's not cool either. So I do think that uh, people tend to not value their health enough. Um, I, I, I just posted on Instagram the other day that you do have to take some kind of action that people will, not, they will value spending money on the sports channel They'll value spending money on really cool sneakers, but when it comes to their health, they often don't want to invest at all. And I think you're right that in order to take it seriously, people do need to invest in some level, um, whether it's investing your time, investing in your groceries or investing in the right coach to get you through it. Uh, I think a lot of people do need that extra help. For some folks, especially my following, their pain is their motivation. Uh, so the pain itself uh, can, can lead them to take action, but sometimes the emotional pain stops them. So then they still do need that kind of help. So, yeah, I think we, we have to find some balance in there. I think we have to share information freely. And at the same time, you know, people do need at some level to take an investment in themselves, whether it's time or money to make sure they get the help that they need. Going back to your discussion uh, and your thoughts on trauma and the effects it has on the body, mind and immune system, um, you know, our emotions as human beings are an integral part to who we are as creatures. And when we suffer deep trauma, it affects us on, a deep, on an emotional level. But talk us through the connection between the emotions of a human being and their autonomic systems, their immune systems and their nervous systems. How do those things all interplay and how does trauma actually affect the immune system? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I observed these differences back when I was a medical student and it led me actually to my first specialty. I was planning to specialize. I mean, I'd done gene genetic research in, in leukemias and I had thought I was probably going into either internal medicine or rheumatology, something like that. And when I was going through my uh, medical school rotations, you know, I spend a lot of time with patients. Even now, my appointments are 75 minutes. I, I don't believe in this whole idea that you can help and heal someone in 10 minutes. It's, it's, it's part of the problem that we have now. But anyway, even as a med student, I would sit with the families and I would sit with patients and get to know them. What I found over and over again is that the people who were happy, surrounded by family, had a lot of gratitude in their lives, a lot of them had these amazing breakthroughs, would go home when we thought they were going to die. And then I would see people who were depressed and isolated and lonely, and they couldn't even heal basic wounds that it made no sense why they weren't getting better. Uh, so I started to notice that. And then I also noticed there was this one patient who really opened my mind a lot to this and really locked in my decision of, of my specialty was I was on my surgery rotation 
And there was this one woman who had this infection on the bottom of her foot that had gotten so out of control that we had to do something called debridement every day. I don't want to freak people out, but basically we use our own scalpel to scrape off the infected areas because her immune system's just not healing it. And if, if we don't do that, they could lose their limb. And so every day the med students and residents would go in and do this work and she would cry. It was horrible. It was the most depressing thing because she was alone in the room. She was depressed and she would scream and cry while we did this. It was just, oh, so demoralizing to have to be a part of that. And then one day we went in and her daughter was there and she was talking to her daughter and she was laughing and happy. And I stood next to the resident holding the bowl while they did the debridement. And I noticed she never looked at us. She never cried. She didn't call out in pain, nothing. And when we left the room, uh, the attending met us there and I said, did you guys see that? And they were always like, I was the med student. I was supposed to be quiet and learn from the, the residents and the, and, the, and the attending, but I always had something to say. Um, I said, did you guys see that? And they were like, what now? I said, did you see she didn't cry today? Nobody noticed except me. I said, she didn't cry today. And the attending said, why do you think that is? I said, because she was with her daughter. She was feeling happy and loved. And so that decreased her sensation of pain. She didn't notice the pain. The residents rolled their eyes and then the attending actually really liked it. The attending started an end of life program because of me as a third year student, because I was so up in arms at defending people's you know, cho cho choice not to get procedures when they're 90 and their organs are failing and they have dementia. You know. Anyway, so, I was, so it really struck me. Now we know uh, through actual studies that have been done since then that people with higher levels of happiness, gratitude, tend to have lower feelings of pain and lower instances of disease. We also know that things like depression, anxiety, and trauma, which is severe amounts of depression and anxiety, actually have higher inflammatory markers, disruption in their cortisol levels, which all affects proper immunity. So what I was witnessing in real time has now been really shown by the studies that have come out, but it really struck me. I said, you know what? It made me think back to my own life. And I thought, you know, I've always been a very grateful person. My, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors and they immigrated here as refugees uh, after the war to find somewhere safe from, you know, being uh, from prejudice and, and murdered by the Nazis and all the things that happened to them. It was a really horrible thing that they lived through. And so they taught me every day you wake up free is a great day. So even with lupus and chemo and everything else, I always felt very grateful because I still had a great life compared to them, right? Like I had a great life. So um, I thought about how much that might've been protective of me and that even though I had severe disease, I had a great response to medication. I did come back from stage four kidney failure and went into a remission. My remission still showed me to have an impairment in function, but I didn't die. I didn't end up on dialysis. And, and I always thought of myself as a comeback kid that I'd get a really bad diagnosis, but it always came back, you know, like, ah, you thought I'd be down, but I'm alive, right? So the medicines worked on me. Medicines didn't always work. I mean, Selena Gomez, super rich, supposed to be with the number one rheumatologist specialist in the LA. And she ended up getting a kidney transplant and she got the same treatment I did. What was the difference between us? Well, she's now in a special kind of therapy for people with chronic suicidality and depression. And she came out and said that that therapy called DBT has helped her lupus more than anything else. So very interesting that me, someone who was already a generally happy and grateful person, the medicines worked better than someone who was depressed. So that was one thing. And then I remembered one other thing, which was when I was getting the chemotherapy, as happy as grateful as I was, I hated chemo, all right? 16 to 18, every month I'd get chemo and I'd spend a week throwing up, feeling like total garbage. And then it would take me about three weeks to get my strength back. And then I'd have to do it again. So chemo, ugh, I did not like chemo. So um, every time I got chemo though, I remember on chemo day, I would always wake up feeling kind of sick even though I didn't get it yet. I always woke up feeling kind of down and kind of sick, like, oh, here we go. And when, uh, when it was my last chemo, it was a week before I was gonna start college. So I was so excited. I got, I got a, a scholarship to my dream school, Carnegie Mellon. I, had, I, I only had one chemo left and I was gonna go there and start my, my new chapter of my life. I was so excited. And so I went to get my last chemo and I was so excited. I didn't even care that it was chemo day because it was the last one. So I was like, went to the hospital. I'm like, last chemo, last chemo, you know, and I'm in a great mood. They went in, they got the needle in first try and it was the highest dose I ever got because every month they would increase the dose because they told me if they gave me the highest dose on the first time, I would have died. So you have to build up your tolerance to these poisonous chemicals that they're putting in you, right? So I'm getting the highest dose I ever got. 
and I didn't get any side effects. I didn't get nauseous. I didn't throw up. I didn't have anything. It was like it never happened. And after that, I'm 18. I go, what the hell happened here? And I, and I, and I couldn't figure out why it was. And so when I was a medical student and I was sitting there and I just watched that woman who didn't experience pain because her daughter was there. And I thought, if, if you're happy, not only can it decrease your sensation of pain, but it can decrease your side effects. It can decrease all these other things. And so I realized that I could probably save more lives by teaching people happiness than I can by just going into rheumatology. So I went into psychiatry, well, psychiatry and neurology, but I specialized in people with severe depression, anxiety, and trauma. And I taught, you know, uh, post-grad courses at the local college. I, you know, trained people in a type of special treatment where uh, what I taught is that relationships are what heal people from severe trauma. And, uh, and I did very unusual things, uh, you know, like playing video games with someone with social anxiety in their room to create connection and then bring them out into the world slowly with me. Um, I, I very much worked with people very personally and, and have published things uh, for, for LA County on, on trauma and youth. But so it, it works really well for me because when I switched into full-time working in disease reversal, I found that I'm still doing my trauma work. And what I found, like there was one study that showed that when they looked at people in the hospital with severe autoimmune disease, because if you're in the hospital, you're in bad shape. 60% of the people they interviewed had had some kind of severe childhood trauma, 60%, much higher than the general population. So I find that, you know, it's all of my experiences that come together to create the dramatic results that I've become so well known for, and that I hyper nourish people with the most anti-inflammatory diet possible. I help them release their traumas and anxiety and depression and do that all at the same time. And what happens is really dramatic rapid disease reversal. Like, did you see my, uh, my, I just released a, a case study yesterday from a nurse who did my rapid recovery group that just finished. And she had rheumatoid arthritis. One of her wrists was seven centimeters. It was so big. She couldn't move it when she started. And she's showing in the video, totally back to normal. Her pain was gone. Her energy was up. And she had a health condition uh, called excoriation disorder her whole life where she just, because of anxiety would scratch herself never could wear short sleeves, was really embarrassed by it. By the end of the group, she had stopped for the first time in her life. She no longer damages, no more self-harm. And uh, she's wearing you know, sleeveless shirts. And she said it was because of what I taught her about mental health and self-care that she was able to emotionally heal at the same time uh, so that she got rid of her RA and her mental health got better too. So that's what I often see in my programs is not only is their disease reversed or aches and pains are gone, but for the first time they experience happiness and release anxiety. So I think when you can do all of that together, you get the most dramatic results possible. And it's why a lot of people, you know, when people say, I tried a plant-based diet, it didn't work for me. Um, a lot of people just jump in on, well, how much vegetables did you eat? And how much this did you eat? And I ask them, you know, what's your moods like? How, how often do you feel depressed or anxious? How's your sleep? Because, you know, while it, while it's often that they didn't get the diet right, I also find very frequently it's not just the diet. It's the fact that they were hoping the diet was going to heal them while they still were tormented by negative moods. And we have to fix all those things together. Our mental and physical well-being are so deeply entwined. And we're not taught that. And I think as physicians as well, you're not necessarily taught that either. It's all about medicine and pills and and, and Absolutely. Uh, procedures to fix or to maybe even cover over symptoms rather than digging deep into the actual cause of uh, the, the disease, which has, you know, becoming more and more widely accepted that trauma and deeply tr scarring emotional experiences can trigger disease, um, which um, we've obviously talked about in depth. So it's an absolutely fascinating subject. And I think there's obviously, there's lots more to, 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 to delve into. And obviously anyone who's interested and wants to go deeper into your work, um, specifically the, the nutrition protocols and your recovery protocols, you've got some fantastic books and you've also got your website. Do you want to just let our readers know about where they can find your books and also your website? Absolutely. So my website is goodbylupus.com. Uh, and if you go there, you can see the classes and um, lots more information there as well. Free gifts that teach you how to make my hypernourishing smoothies and all that kind of good stuff. That's all goodbylupus.com. And it's called Goodbye Lupus because that was my story. My first book is Goodbye Lupus. And that's my story reversing my disease and the six steps to healing with supermarket foods. So all of that is in my book, Goodbye Lupus. And that's why I'm known for that. But I help people 
like I said, from everything from long haul COVID and diabetes and heart disease to all different kinds of autoimmune diseases as well. My books are on Amazon. Goodbye Lupus, like I said, is my story in the protocol. Goodbye Autoimmune Disease is my most recent book where I did case studies and reversing dozens of different autoimmune diseases through my work. But also the majority of the book is the emotional component, how to actually heal the emotional wounds and the other part that's been missing a lot from dietary change is how to stop sabotaging yourself and actually commit to your diet. It's not only not having the right information, it's actually taking action on the information that's a problem. So a lot of people told me that's what they needed to actually finish their journey was to deal with all the mental reasons that they hold themselves back from actually doing what they need to do. So that's good by autoimmune disease. Both of those are on Amazon. And then I'm constantly posting on uh, Instagram and Facebook. If you look at, at goodbye lupus, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. And every day I post either cases or inspirational stuff to keep people really emotionally healthy through their journey. And of course, tips on how to uh, change their diets. And of course, anytime I do my Q and A's or, or I release my classes for free, I always announce it there. So definitely anyone who wants to continue on with your plant-based journey for any reason, uh, it's a great resource for a lot of people. People have told me that, you know, they're not even sick, but they like to keep up with me just for that reason. That's amazing. Um, please do let us know of all your recent or your up and coming events and courses that we can shout about them on Plant-Based News. Uh, I know oh, a lot of audience you. will love them. So before I let you go, and thank you again for your time, I always like to ask my guests this one final question. If you were stuck on a desert island and it was just you and a pig, you obviously wouldn't eat the pig because you're vegan. But if, you, if I gave you one vegan dish, one book and one music album, what would you take with you? Wow. Okay. The book would probably be Man of La Mancha. Love that book. Um, music album, Dark Side of the Moon. And uh, goodness, you know, I probably, I probably would want to stay as healthy as I could with that pig. So I'd probably be taking either, I, I don't have electricity, so it'd probably be like my big kale salad. I'd be trying to stay as healthy as possible because I'm probably going to be really busy and active building our shelter and, uh, and taking care of this pig with me. So that's probably what I would do. I'd be trying to optimize my health, rocking out and reading that good book. <laughs> Amazing. Dr. Brooke Goldner, thank you so much for joining us on the PBA podcast. What a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on and getting to share everything with the public. This is my, my passion, so I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. I've been your host, Robbie Lockie, and we'll be back next time with more veganism, food, fashion, animals, and everything in between.